Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. I'm delighted we're joined for the Culture Club today by Faye O'Rourke from Soda Blonde and of course before that with Little Green Cars. Do we still talk about Little Green Cars or is it all about Soda Blonde? Um, a bit of both. I think it's good to appreciate where you came from but I'm certainly f- full guns blazing with the new project. So, How different is the new project? Um, it's different but similar in many ways. I think I've always approached making music in the same way which has always been to serve the song, you know, there's no agenda or soundscape that it's, you know, rigidly has to be stuck to, you know. But I think there's a lot more freedom, a lot more freedom with this project and I certainly feel very liberated doing it. (laughs) Explain that. Oh, I think, you know, it's a plethora of things, really. Um, We were so young in the previous project, you know, I think. You're still young, Faye. I'm sitting here and I feel very old by comparison with you. (laughs) Well, you know, being 16, 17 and growing up through that and the industry is a different place. Like the landscape is not the same. When I started, it was an A&R guy came over, you know, heard you play in your shed and flew you to London and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Social media wasn't as big as it is. There wasn't that responsibility to kind of push yourself, promote yourself. Um, so yeah, I think being a young woman in that in that time of the industry, I found to be quite stifling, and I struggled. You know, I did. So I actually think, for me, my personal biggest success story was actually moving on to something else because my confidence was quite shattered, really, from from that time. You know. But now, do you have to do more social media to like give more? <laughs> well, of I yourself? don't. You don't. <laughs> Um, I think it's expected and it's something that I I find I do wrestle with because I think for me, music is about other people inserting themselves into it. And there's a pressure, I think, for everything to be so oversaturated with what you had for breakfast, you know, your personality. And it's not, it shouldn't really be about that. And I think that longevity is about, you know, people, like I say, finding themselves in it. So I think, I think, as well, being in a band, you have a bit more license to remove yourself from it. And I'm really grateful for that. Now, we're going to be talking a lot about music because you've got <laughs> terrific musical influences oh, that we're think. going to go through. Um, <laughs> first single you ever bought, this may be a slightly awkward one. Yeah. Tell us about it. Um, am I, well, I, I gave two options in. Oh, did you? Because I, you could only have the, one the first, first single no, you ever see, bought. I knew what was coming. My, the, the true, the true answer was actually Or Kelly yeah. remixed to Ignition, which obviously cannot be played anymore. But just out of interest's sake, I thought I would include it because no, it's I think true. it's fair enough. Because it's true. Who, how were you to know at the time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> um, so that was that, and I used to kind of just try and ream off that as a kid in my bedroom. But my real, the real kind of one of my biggest influences was Gwen Stefani, and no doubt. And I bought that first trunk of singles that they released. They released an album of singles from 95 to 2002, I think. Um, So I think, yeah, there was something in her performance and who she was. And she seemed so liberated kind of compared to other pop artists that were around at that time. You know, there was that kind of ska punk thing. And I remember seeing their music videos and it kind of went from looking really lo-fi to kind of grungy on a ship. She was riding a jet ski, you know. There was a certain amount of, there was a real power to her, you know. Is this your ambition for all your videos? <laughs> yeah, jet skis. But I think as well in her riding, there was a real clarity and, 
you know, it wasn't cryptic. She was just saying how how she felt, you know, and, and there was a bravery in it and it was certainly something that informed my writing. Let's hear a little bit of Don't Speak. Just hearing it, it's so, I think it's one of the best songs of all time, really. And the Latin guitar in it and everything, it's just, and yeah, so direct. There's few enough people who've been able to do the Culture Club and say that the first thing that they remember buying still is one of the best songs <laughs> of all time, which is good. Sometimes they're a bit embarrassed by their first choices. Now, we ask everyone for a favourite album and lots yeah. of people say it's impossible to get down to one. Some people do it. Mm. You have given us a list of I albums do. and that's fair enough. Absolutely no. Tell us some of them. And then we have one that we've picked a track from. So one of them is um, I'm a Bird Now by Anthony and the Johnsons. And that was a huge influence on me as a kid. And it was funny actually how I came across that because as a 13-year-old, that album might seem like extremely obscure, you know, for someone to get their hands on. But it was actually Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> I was obsessed with Daniel Radcliffe as a kid. And there was some article in a magazine and he had listed off um, his favourite tracks. And that was kind of maybe two or three on it. And I was like, you know, Googling and trying to figure out all, all of his influences. And then I got, yeah, that, it was actually the, the song you're going to play, which is Hope There's Someone. Um, that was the song he listed. And I just couldn't. As a teenager at that age, I felt very displaced and dejected. And even as a 13-year-old girl, I felt like I was experiencing, you know, my emotions on kind of like a higher plane. I found getting up difficult as a teenager, you know. Um, so for me, uh, there was something in the music that I couldn't, I hadn't heard anywhere else. And although it's such a complex record, obviously it's it's written by the amazing Anoni, and she hadn't yet made her transition to being a woman. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know the complexity of the record, but I could hear it was about, you know, someone who had not, was displaced and was not yet a woman. And that's what I was, you know, at that age. I, I felt like I needed somebody to find my opinions valid and couldn't. Let's hear a little bit of hope there's someone. As a man on the Parallel, 
praising life And God said I don't want to go To the seas Watershed Hope this home will take care of me When I die Will I go me and the Johnsons hope there's someone from I Am A Bird now do you still go back to that album? Oh yeah all the time like it's such a huge influence on me and it always yeah it's just with me all the time I think Tell us about the other ones that you thought of giving as your favourite God you you have them there I think I had Metallica You um, did? Astro Puppets yeah a huge one um, Metallica I wouldn't have thought of you as Metallica I'm obsessed that is just yeah their music for me is something again that I'll always go back to and I think it's because it's more, again, complex than people give it credit for. Um, yeah. You know, when they worked with the San Francisco, was it the Symphony Orchestra? You can hear just how musical and the musicality of that. And I and I resonate with the aggression of it. Um, so, yeah, that was that's something I always go back to as well. You also had Pulp. This is Pulp. hardcore. Well, I have to say, this is hardcore. The song for me is a huge influence because that music video... Every every stylistic choice that he made has been actually kind of something that I still can't move away from <laughs> in, th- in terms of an aesthetic. And just, it's grotesque. I like how grotesque and honest his lyrics are and it's something that I admire, you know. And others, you have Elliot Smith, either are. Yeah, oh, that speaks, speaks for itself. I think I must have heard it for the first time in Goodwill Hunting and then got into it through that. And, you know, Elliot Smith's writing is, it's so metaphorical and... You know, he's an observer. I think a lot of people like to put him in the centre of stuff, but he's just a great observer, you know, great writer. Now, we asked you for a favourite band and you gave us a lengthy list. I know. And I, I yeah. and there's great choices in there, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, Gorillaz would be one of my big, big, big favourite bands. I just saw them in the three arena. I saw them the last time, or since going back about four years ago, and a yeah. great, great show as much as anything else as well. Yeah. What do you like about them? Well, I'm a big fan of Damon Albarn because he's done what I would really aspire to do, which is show that I'm good at, you know, prove myself not just in one band, but in two. Um, And just the kind of scope and soundscape that, you know, he's able to work with and that collaborative, the collaborations that he does and it's trip hop, hip hop and organic sound mixed with all of this synthetic stuff. It's it's got everything and and I, I love that. Here's a bit of Dirty Harry. You have on your list one or two acts 
I suspect, popular before you were even born. Prefab Sprout. Yeah, well, that's, I think, one of the most obvious ones that we, as Soda Blonde, kind of yeah. draw our inspiration from, you know. Um, yeah, I think Adam, one of the guys in the band, must have had Steve McQueen when we were kids. Um, he was always somebody who had every single album on the planet. And yeah, it just was something that we always went back to in terms of influence. So others that you have in there as well on the list, like the Joy Division going back even further. Oh yeah, I mean, come on. Like you can't not have Joy Division. <laughs> if you're talking about bands and Manchester bands, you got to have Joy Division on there, you know. Um, yeah, and New Order for me as well, you know. And then Radiohead. Of course. Again, Kid A. Kid A and then Rainbows were the two albums for me. And it's that thing as well, I think, of just music being something so much broader than just, you know, the sounds. It, it's just that it's so visceral. You know, radio had to have that amazing way of just pulling you into exactly a different, just a different planet, really. You know, and I really aspire to, to do that with my music, even though arguably I'm making pop music. I think I just say pop music because it's ever evolving as a genre, but they'd be a big, big inspiration. No, let's get to the best gig you were at. And I presume you've been at loads yes. of gigs. Yeah, I've been to a few. I've been to a few. <laughs> gone for one that I missed and a number oh. of friends told me was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Unmissable. David Byrne's American Utopia Tour. Life changing. It was actually a pivotal moment for me in my career. It was a life changing thing. Why life changing? I think because of where I was in my life when I went to see it and it was between the the transition between the two bands and I just felt, you know, I was at such a low ebb when I went to see that show and a friend of mine said, look, I got tickets for four rows from the front and I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And I liked the talking heads and like, you know, I'd, I'd seen Stop Making Sense, but I, I wasn't like a huge David yeah. Byrne fan. And we were four rows from the front and I just... It opened up just this whole world of possibilities, what you could do with a live show. And it didn't have to be, you know, standing at a microphone rigidly for it to be sincere. And, you know, there's that part, I, I don't know if you've seen the seen it on TV or whatever, but the part where he has the brain, you know, he brings a brain out and he goes, here's the connection. It's just reducing it down to what everything is. You know, it's it, it's just the self-awareness of it, but it's. He's so also a wonderful him. man like David Alburn for the collaborations uh, with yeah, some of the music sure. that he's done. But brilliant on all the albums are people have said to me, you've got to see him live. That's where it oh, really just all just comes together. Like nothing you've ever seen. Like it, it's a real feat of, yeah, uh, big inspiration. Let's hear a little bit of one of his famous Talking Heads songs from the American Utopia Tour. Here's Burning Down the House.
might have been in a seat four rows in the front. I imagine the seat got in the way of the dancing of it, didn't it? It did, yeah, and the pints. The, the, the numerous trips to refill my drink. <laughs> Okay, we need to take a break. We have lots more in the Culture Club that we need to get through. It's Faye O'Rourke from Soda Blonde who is with us today and we'll be back with her non-musical choices and there are loads of really interesting ones here after we come back from this break. Welcome back. It's Faye O'Rourke who is with us from Soda Blonde for the Culture Club tonight. And uh, let's get to the non-musical choices that you've given to us. And uh, clearly you're into your movies as well because you gave us a load of movies to pick from. Uh, Let's start. You've gone for Donnie Darko. Yes. Again, that's very linked to music because I was a kid when I saw that film and obviously the soundtrack was just mind-blowing. As is the soundtrack to Magnolia. With oh, the God. wonderful Amy Mann. Yes, so yeah, Amy Mann. And Supertramp. Well, P.T. Anderson's one of my all-time favourite directors and I just love these kind of like intertwining, interlapping stories that all have some kind of, you know, overarching thing about how messed up humanity is. And I know obviously Johnny Greenwood has done P.T. P.T. Anderson stuff as well. So, yeah. It's, yeah, There Will Be Blood, I actually went back and watched again during... Oh, the COVID, so and I actually appreciated it far more the second time round. Yeah, it's, it's stunning. Every time you watch it, you get something something new from from it. There is one movie on your list that I'm not familiar with: Perfect Blue. Oh yeah, okay, you're in for a bit of a ride there. Okay, but tell it's me. an anime film by Satoshi Kon, and it was made in the '90s. Okay, and it's extremely dark. It's just kind of the furthest of the furthest thing that you could watch on the scale of dark. But it's it's an anime movie. Um, and it's about fandom and it's kind of about the idea of people's ownership of, of artists. And it's, you know, it's a sci-fi kind of a thriller film. Um, but in terms of shots as well, it inspired loads of amazing films like Requiem for a Dream. Are you familiar with that one? Okay. There's, there's shot by shot kind of copies from, from Satoshi Kon's work. And it's, if you want to be freaked out and equally amazed, I recommend Perfect Blue. And then the one that we're going to play a clip from is Blue Jasmine, which is a Woody Allen movie. You're the first person since Mary Lou MacDonald on the Culture Club to pick a Woody Allen movie. I know, I feel like maybe he doesn't, he deserved the airtime, but I couldn't not include it because in terms of films that I've just enjoyed so thoroughly, I mean, I always come back to that movie. Kate Blanche's performance of just this absolutely pretentious, despicable <laughs> person is just so unbelievably watchable. And yeah, just how the failings of... It may actually be Woody Allen's last good movie. Possibly. I'm not a huge Woody Allen fan, actually, in terms of other stuff. I like his, you know, I know he's made good films, but just this film in particular really resonated with me. Now, this is a scene from it in which Kate Blanche's character is looking after her nephews. I'm going to babysit you. I'm a good babysitter. <laughs> yeah. No? <laughs> you should babysit. I used to babysit when, when I was a teenager. It's how you make extra money. Mom said he never did any work because he was so rich. Well, I didn't know what I wanted to become. And how? My my husband, he swept me off my feet. Blue Moon was the song that was playing. You know the song, Blue Moon. Yeah, but I... I always wanted to do something with my life. You know, I had energy. I didn't just shop and lunch and go to matinees. You know, I ran charities for poor people. Ran, you know, raised money for museums and schools. You know, with wealth comes responsibilities. Wasn't just some mindless consumer like so many of my so-called friends. Though I won't say I dislike buying pretty clothes. Tip big, boys. Tip big because you get good service. And they 
count on tips. You know, someday, when you come into great wealth, you must remember to be generous. Mom said you used to be okay, but you got crazy. Yeah, and then you talk to yourself. Well, there's only so many traumas a person can withstand till they take to the streets and start screaming. Kate Blanchett in Blue Jasmine. <sighs> Favourite play or musical theatre show? What have you gone for? I went for a musical called Tonic by Fionn Foley, who's actually my partner. Ah, but that's so, a good reason. Well, it's good, but it's true as well. I'm not just shamelessly plugging. Um, Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's funny because he was kind of like a mad scientist working on it during lockdown and I, I, I like to stay away from you know, him while he's working and just see the finished product okay. as opposed to having any kind of involvement or anything while he's doing his work. But uh, it came out over lockdown and it was on in Dublin Castle and I was just completely blown away by by the, the music and the story. And it basically, it's a folk doomsday musical. So it chronicles three siblings, they're triplets. And the idea is that they're kind of going around peddling this tonic so it's kind of like a medicine show. Yeah. And in order to do this, one of the siblings wants to take the band electric and one of the other siblings is saying, no, we got to stick to this tried and tested road. And one of the other siblings is mute. And it's a comedy musical and it's absolutely incredible. And it's also just, a, it's a clever ref- reflection on kind of the two political ends of the spectrum and how, you know, the people who suffer are ultimately, you know, those who are... Where has it been performed? Um, tickets are on sale and I don't know where it will be performed. It's going on a national tour, but tickets are on sale, I think, for two of the venues. If you Google Tonic by Fionn Foley, you'll be able to find it, but it's spectacular. Okay, let's move to favourite book or author. You've given us a couple of authors here, uh, Raymond Carver and Richard Adams. Mm. Start with Richard Adams because it was Watership Down, your sort of childhood I saw special. the film as a five-year-old and it really freaked me out. <laughs> And then as a teenager, I picked up the book actually in a studio when we were recording one of our first early EPs as Little Green Cars. And I just absolutely loved it. Um, Again, it's really dark. It's a kid's book, but it's dark. I usually like when there's a bit of dichotomy going on. And um, it's just kind of, you know, if you've read the book, it's just about the ruthlessness of of nature. And it's, it's kind of got this brutal honesty to it and... I just always loved the woodland creatures vibe. I actually have two uh, two tattoos of it on the backs of my arms. So, okay. Yeah. The other one you've gone for, Raymond Carver, what we talk about when we talk about love. Mm. So a big fan of short stories, <laughs> probably because they're easier to read. Um, but yeah, a friend bought me this book and I could not put it down. And just, again, it's sort of middle America and it's focusing in on stories and different perspectives on love and the breakdown on love and familial love and just the ruthlessness of it in this really kind of horribly bleak setting. And um, yeah, I think for me, that's that book and photographers that are kind of inspired by that work, like um, Gregory Crudson and, and Larry Sultan, that imagery always sticks with me when I'm writing because I, I just love the idea of something that's domestic and mundane. And yeah, he's just got a really incredible way of frankly speaking about love. You have picked as your favourite TV show, 
this is a brilliant choice from something that is was years <laughs> before you were born. I don't know how you even came across the 1970s big hit, I, Claudius. Yeah, yeah. How did you come across it? So again, I read the book first. Okay. Because I was kind of exclusively reading Roman history books in my early 20s, probably trying to be some kind of nerd, trying very hard to, to be intelligent. And our, our keyboard player, who was in the thrills at the time, he was really into Roman history and he bought me Robert Graves' book, I, Claudius. And again, I was like, I couldn't put it down. I loved how it was so creative in terms of its hist- history but it was just like it was it was like game of thrones you know yeah. that's that's what it's quite a, it's quite akin to to that so then through that i got into kind of just seeing if there was any tv show and then of course i found the box set and i bought it and just it's you know got all the greatest theater actors of all time all the big guys you know Derek Jacobi and Patrick Stewart and it's just and it's so theatrical and the way it's set up um yeah, I love it. I we love have it. a clip in which John Hurt plays Caligula and Sean Phillips is his great-grandmother Olivia in a scene from I, Claudius. I hear you're dying, great-grandmother. You won't forget your promise, will you? To make you a goddess. And what makes you think that a filthy, smelly old woman like you could become a goddess? I don't need you anymore, you see, great-grandmother. My secret will die with you. You're going to stew in hell forever and ever. Let me tell you something. Thrasyllus has made another prophecy. Told Tiberius. He said, one who is going to die soon will become the greatest god the world has ever known. No temple to be dedicated to anyone but him in the whole Roman world. Not even to Augustus. Do you know who that one is? Me. Me. I shall become the greatest god of all. And I shall look down on you, suffering all the torments of hell, and I shall say, Leave her there. Leave her there forever and ever and ever. He sounds like he's um, really enjoying himself doing that, doesn't oh, he? Oh, it's just one of the best performances of all time. John Hurt is Caligula. I'm thinking now, given that I have two daughters obsessed with Game of Thrones, maybe I should get you them should, like Claudius. You should, yeah. Box set. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I'd say they'd probably love it, wouldn't they? They would, yeah. Just it takes a bit of adjusting for the first five minutes, but then once you're in, you're in. I'm not familiar with your other one, your children's selection. Oh, Clarence. well, look, that I just, sometimes when I need to decompress, I just watch Clarence. He's What's the, Clarence? It's it's I I came across it because my partner did the Irish version of it because he's a, a voice actor. Okay. Um, and he's a Grail Gore, and I just love it. It's just it's a kids show, and it's just Clarence. He's really good natured. He's an inspiration. He's just you know he's just a decent guy getting up to mischief. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I missed out. I got my ordering wrong. There was one more musical thing to oh, do. Was there? Oh yes. Favourite artist. And oh, you have yes. two. You have Sinead O'Connor, mm. but you also have Karen Carpenter, who again is long before you were born when she was at her yeah. peak. Tell us why you picked her. Because a lot of people just say her voice yeah, well, has it, just completely lives on many years after she's died. 
Well, for me, she's just my favourite vocalist of all time. I don't think there's ever been such a pure and beautiful voice ever on this earth, to be honest. And I had Ticket to Ride as a kid. So someday, um, I think Sondheim wrote that uh, with, part, with Richard Carpenter and, and a few other people. But yeah, for me, and, and, and the tragedy of her, I think something really resonated with me that she was sort of, you know, billed as this all-American sweetheart. And she had all of that kind of brewing tragedy that was suppressed. And her story fascinates, still fascinates me. And it's, you know, and the tra- tragedy of that, you know. Let's hear a little bit. They long to be close to you. Why do birds suddenly appear Every time you are near Just like me They long to be close to you Why do stars fall down from the sky Every time You have sort of a look of bliss on your face as you're sort of swaying away to that. <laughs> yeah. It's just so beautiful. It is. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We have to finish there. It has been great having you with us on the Culture Club. Fair work. Best of luck with the future Thank with you Soul so much. Of Blonde. Pleasure. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30.